0: I want us to be looking in the book of Mark's Gospel, chapter number 5. The Gospel according to Mark, chapter number 5. I'm going to be preaching uh, on Jairus and his daughter. Uh, and I guess out of Mark, chapter 5, the two stories of the woman with the issue of blood and, and Jairus and the issue that was on there, I think I've probably preached more in 33 years of preaching I think I've preached more out of this book on those two topics these two people more than probably any other than Jesus of course uh, of the subject because every time I dig into it I find some a nugget I find some type of I find a truth that I didn't see before and so I want to bring to you tonight what I feel like the Lord's laid on my heart and I want to talk to you tonight about have you ever dealt with a pause in your life has anybody ever dealt with a pause a stoppage, something happened in your life where you were moving. Bishop, I'm sure that you can testify to this, and pastors, that when you're, you're moving, things are happening, things are progressing, things are moving forward, And all of a sudden, it's just like it just dries up. It just stops, and, and, and those are frustrating times. I know as a pastor, when the church is moving, and things are happening, and man, God's moving and you see God moving and the manifestation of God's glory is happening and people's being blessed you see visibly people are getting involved and being blessed and all of a sudden it just seems like whew, it's like nothing happens and those are frustrating times but I've dealt with it enough and I sure a lot of you have that you've dealt with those issues enough that you begin to learn some things through those processes at first you just kind of think well what have I done wrong? You know, and you repent, God, forgive me for what, you know, and it's like, but I didn't do anything wrong that I know of. And, and, and there's a reason why there's pauses that happen in your life. And so tonight I want to talk to you about what do you do when the pause happens in your life? How many right now may be at a pause in your life right now? How many would just be honest? All right. So the rest of you that didn't raise your hands, you can just get and go home. No, I'm just te- I'm just teasing. All right, the book of Mark, chapter 5, beginning at verse number 21. You're there? Shout, I'm there. And when Jesus had passed over again by ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when it saw him, he fell at his feet. And besought him greatly, saying, My daughter lieth at the point of death, I pray thee. Come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. And Jesus went with him and much people followed him and thronged him. The word throng means they were touching him. They were were grasping a hold of him. Now jump down because in 25 we see as Jesus is going to Jairus' house, there's a pause that happens. The woman with the issue of blood, we know the story. We don't know exactly how long the pause took place, but it was long enough that the news came to tell Jairus, don't bother the master anymore because your daughter's dead. Now we jump down to verse number 20, or verse 35. Verse 35 of Mark chapter 5. And the scripture says, While he yet spake, there came one of the rulers of the synagogues, how certain, which said, Thy daughter is dead, why troublest thou the master any further? As soon as Jesus heard those words he was spoken, he said unto the ruler of the synagogue, Do not be afraid, only believe. Another translation is, Don't be afraid, but keep on believing. Look at your neighbor and say, keep on believing. Uh, yes, and he suffered no man to follow him but Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And he cometh into the house of the ruler of the synagogue and see the tumult or the uproar and them that wept and wailed greatly. And when he was coming to the come in, he saith unto them, why make ye this ado and weep? The damsel is not dead but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. They went from, laugh, from crying and weeping to laughing or making fun of Jesus. They scorned him with their laughter. But when he had put them all out, he took the, uh, the father and the mother of the damsel and them that were with him and entered into the damsel where the damsel was laying. And he took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Talitha kumai, which is being interpreted, damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And straightway to the damsel arose and walked and she was of the age of 12 years and they, they were astonished with great astonishment. And he charged them straightly that no man should know it and commanded that something should be given her to eat. Father, we love you and we thank you tonight. We thank you for your presence. We thank you that you've spoken to our hearts tonight. We thank you for the prophecy that has rung true in our ears tonight. And God, we say yes and we anticipate God, all that you said. Thank you that you've given us promises, precious promises, that by these we might be partakers of the divine natures of God. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, I thank you today, God, that tonight will be a night of promise fulfilled. That, God, you would speak a now word into somebody's heart that would, God, help them, that would encourage them, God, that would lift them up, help them understand, God, where they are at in their journey, in their faith walk, We bind, rebuke, and cause to come to no effect in a strategy of the enemy that will cause our hearts and minds to wonder. Holy Spirit of God, captivate us tonight. Arrest our ears. Arrest our heart. May we receive the engrafted word that James said was able to save our soul. And we'll not fail to give you the praise, the glory, and the honor for it. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Once again, I want to ask, how many has ever had a pause in your life? Raise your hand. Look around you, look at the people that you're, you're in the same boat with. People have experienced a pause. The progress in your life has seemingly come to a screeching halt. The success that you were feeling, the success that you were seeing, things were moving. All of a sudden, now they're dried up, they're stopped. And you're wondering and you're scratching your head, saying, God, what have I done? God, what can I do? Uh, what, is it somebody else's fault? Is it the enemy's fault? And sometimes, yes, sometimes the enemy does get involved in our life and, and messes things up. He, that's what his job is. We're not surprised at what the enemy does. We're to look forward to what the enemy does because we're to be aware of his tactic and his strategies. And sometimes the enemy does get involved in, in life and cause things to happen that causes a, a, a seemingly a pause but not every pause that happens in our life is from the devil. I mean, we go around as Christian all the time rebuking the devil, and sometimes it's God saying, the devil has nothing to do with what's going on in your life right now, I'm trying to get your attention. There's some things I I want to discuss with you, there's some things I want to talk with you, there's some things I want to show you, there's some lessons that I want you to learn. But oftentimes, we always attribute it to the devil. And that's why when it takes discernment of the spirit to understand, what season am I in? Why It's not that I've sinned. It's not that anything like that. So it must be a season that God's taken me through for a learning. God wants to show me something. How many of us have God to show you something if you're willing to learn? Amen. So we've all experienced those pauses in our life and and and... and and those delays when we've been praying for something you've been praying and you've been praying and you've been praying and you've been fasting and you do all the things that you know that you need to do and and should do and and you're waiting for that miracle that that moment that God steps in and just changes everything in your life well the story of this girl is uh you know sort of like this situation you know it's it would it would be better to have a detour instead of a pause <laughs> who's ever had a detour, still gets you to where you need to go. It may just take a little longer to get there. It may be a moment of inconvenience to go around instead of going through. So I'd rather have a delay, Lord, or excuse me, a detour instead of a delay. But sometimes God doesn't allow you to detour. He, He says, I just want you to pause. It's like sitting in traffic. Isn't that fun? There's a pause. You say, but I got an appointment. I've got, I've got to get somewhere. There's, people are expecting me. I've got things to do. I, I, I can't just sit here. And, and, but, but what do you do? You've just got to sit until it moves. And then that feeling comes back like praise. God, I'm going to make it. Huh? Well, that's the same way it is sometimes in our walk with God. We're moving along. We're moving along. Yesterday, we was coming, not yesterday, but the day before yesterday. We're coming down the interstate here, 44. And man, we're just cruising with everybody else about 80, 95 miles an hour. No, 75, 80. And um, we're just moving along, and all of a sudden, it, it just, boom, it come to a screeching halt. And it was at exit 8 at Range Line. I mean, and as far as you could see, it must have been a wreck. And it just paused, and I said, thank God. We, right at that point, we, we took a detour, and we got where we was needing to go. But what would have happened if it had been a few miles up the road? We'd have just been sitting there. Still would have got here. It would have just took me a longer time to get here. Sometimes that is way, and it is in our walk with God. We're just moving right along, just moving right along, and all of a sudden, boom. And it's frustrating. What they up there doing? Don't they know I got some place to go? Why'd they have to wreck on my time? You know, it is that way in our walk with God, sometimes we just come to those places where we have those pauses, but there is a lesson to be learned in the pauses of our life. God is wanting to tell you something. God is wanting to show you something. God is wanting to reveal something to you that you are not seeing because of the busyness of your life. In our text, we understand that there was a pause that happened. Here comes Jairus, and he's coming to Jesus, and his daughter is at the point of death. She is dying, and he runs to Jesus, and there he begins to fall at his feet and say, I want you to come, and I want you to heal my daughter. She is dying, and Jesus just simply says, okay, let's go. I mean, no hesitation, let's go. And so Jesus and Jairus begin to walk towards Jairus' house. And in the process of them walking to to Jairus' house, we know that the woman with the issue of blood, who reached out by faith and said, if I can only but touch the hem of his garment, I know that I shall be made whole. And now it's interesting that everybody was touching him, but only one person touched him really by faith. She said, I've spent all my money. I'm growing worse. I'm dying. What else do I have to do? Number one, a woman in them days was not to be touching a rabbi or a master or a teacher. They were not, if they had any issue like she had, she was not to be among the worshiping community. She had to be outside the camp. Here's a woman that says, I have nothing to lose. I'm already dying. I'm broke, busted, and disgusted. I ain't got nothing to lose, so I might as well just make my way in the crowd and get myself something from God. And if I die in the process, I'm not going to stay here and die. I'm going to move towards God. And so what she, now you understand, to touch the hem of his garment, she had to be down. I can imagine this woman weak and anemic, crawling through the crowd of the people, probably getting her fingers stepped on. People probably kicking her, trying to shoo her away. But she makes her way through the crowd and she touched the hem of his garment. <laughs> and when Jesus stopped, the Bible says he stood still and says, Who touched me? Peter and all of them said, Jesus, I mean, everybody's touching you. And you ask who touched you? He said, Somebody, I felt virtue, I felt power come out of me. Somebody by faith got what everybody else probably wanted, but no one was walking in faith to get it. So the pause is happening. I can imagine Jairus is like, "Jesus, come on! I mean, we were making progress. But all of a sudden, uh, Jesus, let's go. She's healed. Let's let's make our way on." And so and, and so, we don't know how long the pause happened, but it was long enough that the girl died. And it was not only long enough for the girl to die, but it was long enough for someone to come from Jairus' house and make his way to where Jesus was at, which kind of gives us the indication that she died before Jairus ever got to Jesus. And so she, here comes a, a, a man who says, Lord, don't trouble Jesus any further because your daughter is dead. And Jesus responds, and I want you to understand something here. If Jesus would have went in enough time to have healed this girl while she was still alive, I believe, in this is my own personal opinion, I believe that the people who was there in the room and the doctors that had treated her prior to her death may have said, Jesus didn't have anything to do with it. My medicine helped her. You just caught the latter end of her recovery. The people that were in the room, I'm sure, had prayed, and Lazarus had, pr- or uh, uh, um, Jairus had prayed, and the mother prayed, and all the family prayed, and I'm sure that they could have said, "Jesus, appreciate you trying to come, but she's already made it, so we don't need you no more." So the people could have took the credit, the doctors could have took the credit, but G- but watch this. the girl dies. She's dead. The pause took long enough that the girl had died. But, God, but won't you understand something? Sometimes we wonder, God, why don't you just show up on time? Why don't you just, when the first time I ask, I, I don't understand all that God does. I'm not here to tell you that I do. But I do know this, that God is allowing your situation to get to the point that nobody can get the credit for it but only him when he turns things around for you. Some of you may be in a situation and you say it only it's going to take God to turn it around. Well, good, because God's going to get the glory when God steps in into a situation that is hopeless and beyond repair, that no one can say, I did it or I prayed and I done that. And God does honor your prayer and God does honor your faithfulness and God does do that. But let me tell you something. God sometimes will allow a pause to come into your life long enough for things to die. I said, God will allow a pause to happen long enough in your life for things to die that he might come along and breathe life back into it. He may allow your dream to die and only to come back to resurrect it again. Come on, somebody. Maybe you ain't had a dream to die. Maybe you ain't had something to die in your life. And God breathed new life into it. The songs that we sing today was, I'm coming back to life. Well, you had to have been dead in order to come back to life. Something was lacking, something was weak, something was deficient in your life, and you needed God to show up. When the pauses happen in your life, God is working on a greater miracle for your life. Come on, somebody. I said when a pause happens in your life, God is just working on a greater miracle for your life and so Jesus' Bible says he came and he healed her and touched her and raised her up and so I just I want to get into a couple of things and just want to lay a foundation here for a little bit And I promise I won't hold you a little long. I want to give you just four things real quick that will help you understanding what the pause is why am I in a pause in my life All right, are you ready for this number one it's time for you to catch your breath everybody say it's time for you to catch your breath what am I talking about? It's time for you to take a break. It's time for you to rest. We all, because you know what? As I preached this morning, you're, you're, you're fallible. You're weak. You're, you're human. You get tired. You get frustrated. You get upset. Things don't always work out in your life. And sometimes God will allow a pause to happen in your life long enough so that you can just have a break. We're not robots. We're not superhuman. We're not angelic. And I know you may think you're an angel, but you ain't an angel. You need rest. You're human. You work. You have, uh, you have uh, worries, and, and, and I know we're not supposed to worry, but those things come along, and you know that you do. You fret. You get angry over situations. You work when you, uh, you know, you work a week and then and, and you ain't got enough money to pay the bills and, and, and you get frustrated, you get angry, you get upset. You're saying, God, what's going on? And that, that's just life. Life, everybody say life. And sometimes God will allow a pause to happen in your life long enough for you to get rest. You know, when they, on the battlefield, when... When the soldiers were in battle, they would, after so long a time on the battlefield in the foxhole, they would say, you go to stateside or you go to wherever it is for R&R. Because they understood that the soldier that keeps in battle after battle after battle after battle gets battle weary and they start losing focus and they start getting sloppy and they get extra tired and they lose out and they become vulnerable to an attack of the enemy. Not only for themselves, but also for their comrades that they are trying to defend. And sometimes God says, Eric, in your busyness of your life, I know you're going and you're doing, but I will allow a pause to happen so that I'll force you to rest. I mean, it's just good practical stuff that we need to learn. Because you need to learn to say no. You don't always have to keep going and doing. There is a point where you need to come and say, sorry, tonight's my night off. Tonight, I'm hanging out with the kids. I'm hanging out with the family at the house. I don't always have to keep going and doing. Come on. So, again, just practical things that we need to do. Number number two, we need to reevaluate our motives. Why am I doing what I'm doing? I need to take, sometimes God will allow a pause to happen in your life so that you can reevaluate your motives. You may have started out with the right motives, but after a while, sometimes because you get tired and you get frustrated and, you, and things are not going the way that you want to, and so you want to try to spur it on, you want to try to help it along, so sometimes your motive will become unpure, skewed. You've listened to somebody else telling you what you should do instead of what the Holy Spirit told you you should do. And what happens, it's unintentional. You don't set out to say, this is what I'm going to do, but it just kind of happens. Because I'm tired. I'm frustrated. Nothing's moving on in my life. So all of a sudden, my motives begin to change. Now all of a sudden, my motives are not pure and holy anymore. Now it's just uh, what I need and what I want to satisfy me. So sometimes God will allow a pause to happen in your life so that you can reevaluate your motives why do you come to church well because my mother makes me come to church or because my grandparents go. you see the motive is i don't come to please the heart of god i don't come to worship i don't come to to hear and i don't come to receive or be changed in the presence of god i just come because everybody ex- expects me to come that's the wrong motive we're glad you come we're, we're glad you're here for whatever reason you come But don't stay in that attitude. Let God, the Holy Spirit, reevaluate your motives and begin to bring change in your life. Are you with me? Number three, to realign your vision and your dreams and your priorities. Because again, when you're you're busy and you're going and you're doing life and, and you're so busy doing life that you forget to live life. And in the busyness of your life, you're going and the pause happens in your life and there's a moment of frustration and the enemy wants to get in there and tell you that God don't love you and God don't care and all this stuff and people are whispering in your ear and the circumstance says give up and just quit. There's no need to keep moving. You gotta stop and say, mm I've got to realign my vision. I've got to realign my priorities. I've got to realign my dreams. What is it that I'm believing and hoping God for? Because sometimes we become a combination of all that we're going through and we need to stop. Say, Lord, I need a moment of rest, I need a moment of right perspective. <laughs> I need God a heaven's perspective of what I'm going through. I remember the first time I ever flew on a plane. I flew from Charleston out here, actually, to Oklahoma for a conference in our organization. And it was a beautiful spring day. And I got on the plane. First, of course, I'm apprehensive, you know, because they tell you in case of an accident, your seat becomes a flotation device. And I'm thinking, dear God, I'm 35,000 feet in the air flying at 550 miles an hour and if I hit the ground, you think that little seat's going to save me? <laughs> but I tell you what, on the plane, you can pray, right? Woo, I mean, you can do some praying. So I'm flying and and, and, and so I'm apprehensive and so I get on, and it's beautiful not oh, a cloud in the sky and so we're flying and And so the captain woman says, "We're thirty five thousand feet in the air, flying to five hundred fifty miles an hour. We'll be in Oklahoma City in an hour and a half. Sit back and relax and enjoy your flight." And blah blah. blah. So I'm just I'm looking out the window. There's like four or five of us on the plane. I look out the window, and 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 by this time the captain says, "Ladies and gentlemen, if you look out your window, you'll see the mighty Mississippi River." And so I look out the window, and there's the Mississippi. You know, when you stand the Mississippi, it's it's when you look across, like it's almost like an ocean. It's huge. But when I was at 35,000 feet in the air, I looked down, and that little thing just winded down through the, the earth. I mean, it, was just, it just looked like a snake laying there. And I looked down there, and I thought, and the trees, you know, that you're standing by, you look up, and you're just like, oh. But when I was looking down, everything was so minute. Everything was miniature. And I was looking at that. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God just touched me on that plane. He said, Eric, if if you'll always have my perspective about whatever situation or life hands you, if you have my perspective, you'll see things right. And you see, that's what God God does. Sometimes when you're standing and you're looking up everything, it seems overwhelming. It seems like it's so big. I'm never overcoming it. I, I don't know what to do. Oh, God, help me. But if you get God's perspective, and what happens, God will allow a pause to happen in your life so that you can get God's perspective of your situation. And you'll find out that the river really ain't all that big. You'll find out that the mountain really can be climbed. You will find out that the situation that you're going through can be overcome because you have the perspective of God about your situation. (laughs) Realign your priorities, have God's perspective. And I think also that we need to tie up loose ends. Tie up loose ends. Just give you a slight, just, just a simple example. You know, if, 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 if something in your house is neglected over time, what happens? It starts to fall apart. You know, it, it just gets old and because it's meant to be used. And if you don't use it, it, it just kind of falls apart. And, and, and if you kind of neglect the yard, guess what? It becomes a jungle. Becomes unmanageable. If you don't paint the windows and you don't clean the windows, and all of a sudden things begin to just start falling apart all over. And then all of a sudden, what was manageable all of a sudden now becomes unmanageable. What was a dollar fix now all of a sudden is a $10,000 fix. When you got a leaky roof and it's only just a drip, 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 it's time to fix it then. Not wait till the whole roof caves in and think, well, maybe I should do something. What you need to do in the times that God brings pauses in your life is to tie up the loose ends of your life. Now, I'm not always talking about just fixing things in the house, but things in our house get a little loose. And there's a little bit of leaky places and a little bit of, a little bit of sin here, a little bit of compromise here, and a little bit of, well, I don't care there, and a little bit of, and all of a sudden you've got to stop and say, wait a minute, I've got I to gotta tighten up here. I'm not as faithful to God's house as I used to be. I don't pray like I used to. I don't, get, I don't pay my tithes like I used to. I don't do this like I used to. I need to tighten up. I got to tighten up some loose ends in my life, and God allows a pause to happen so that you can evaluate and say, okay, what is it that I need to do? It's better to do it now than 10 years down the road. It's better to do it now than a month down the road. Amen? So, so, so Sarah, look at your name and say, are you listening? And now let's go back, to the, let's go back here. And the Bible says, and when, Jesus, and when Jesus was passed over again by the ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him, and there was nigh at the sea. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus, by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet. Besought him, and we know the story again, the woman with the issue of blood. Now, notice that Jairus, through all this situation, even when he's told, your daughter's dead, don't bother Jesus anymore, he never pointed his finger at that woman and said, if it wasn't for you, I'd have had what I needed. Because of you stepping in the way, you made me miss what God had for me. He never pointed his finger, he never got angry, he never got bitter at the woman who got what he needed before he did. And what you've got to understand, sometimes God will allow a pause to happen in your life. But what you need to do when the pause happens in your life, when everybody else is getting what you are in need of, don't get angry, don't get bittered. But what you need to do is praise God and rejoice with them. Celebrate with them. Rejoice with those who do rejoice. And let me tell you something, when you rejoice with others who are getting what you need, God will make sure you get what you need. Well, hallelujah. So don't get angry, don't get jealous, don't get depressed. Don't go home and and, and whine and complain. Don't get on Facebook and air your dirty laundry about all that God's not done for you and all that Pete Church has done and all that this one's done and all that it is is coming out of bitterness and brokenness and hurt out of your own life because you've been disappointed by God for not Given you what you needed when you needed it, and somebody else got the exact same thing that you got. I I hear it all the time. People in church come, and all of a sudden, just this now a miracle happens. Just God, just boom, and and they get healed, and some walk away and say, "Well, I'm just God. Don't love me. God don't. God don't care." they've only been in the church six months and they already got their miracle. I've been in church for 55 years and God ain't ever blessed me like that. Well, I think it goes back to that motive thing there first, okay? But you got jealous and angry and depressed over somebody else getting what you got, what you should have done and you should have just rejoiced. Thank you, Lord, that she got her miracle. Oh, God, I know that she only been here six months and I've been here 55 years, but thank you, Lord, that my days are coming. Whew. Is this all right? Rejoice with them. And when you start, listen, when you start out in worship, keep worshiping. The Bible says, and when Jairus came to her, came to Jesus, the Bible says he fell at his feet. What do you think he done? Anytime that the Bible says the people at his feet, they were worshiping. He came and he came in a stance in an attitude of worship. He came and he fell at the feet of the master and said, oh, Jesus. What was he doing? He, he was recognizing him as God. He was recognizing, Jesus, I worship you. Jesus, come heal my life. He was in a stance of worship. And what you need to do in the time of your pause, what you started out in praise, what you started out in worship, what you started out in faith believing, continue even when nothing else is happening. Because when Jesus, when Jairus, the Bible says, uh, the woman comes, the man comes and says, don't bother the master anymore. She's already dead. But Jesus looked at him and says, do not be afraid, only keep on believing. And you see, you've got to be able to, in the face of the enemy saying it's dead, it won't work, quit give up, you need to just keep on keep on, you need to keep worshiping you need to keep praising, you need to keep giving, you need to keep being faithful you need to keep doing all that you've always been doing because God will honor that amen and he came worshiping and he kept believing and Jesus said keep on believing don't stop now don't, don't give up now, because you're just one prayer away you're one song service away. You're one message away from God turning everything around. I said, you're one, you're, one, you're one step away. You're one act of obedience away from God doing what he promised you he said he would do. Amen? Then I want you to notice here, you need to remove the negative from your life. The Bible says that when he, Jesus came to the, the house, the Bible says there was a, there was a turmoil. There was a, there was a confusion. it was a confusing situation. They're wailing and they're weeping. And he comes in and says, they're, they're, she's not dead. And they went from weeping to laughing, scorn, making fun of Jesus. And Jesus, what did Jesus do? You, 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 you hit the door. If you're not going to be in faith... And if you're not going to continue to believe with Jairus, and if you're not going to be in this house and praise and worship and continue in faith, and what he was telling, he was telling all those negative people who walked him down and walked in unbelief to say, get out of the house. Now, God's not telling us to get out of the church, but let me tell you something. There's some people hooked to your side, like a Siamese twin, that you need to sever some relationships of people that are sucking you dry. I thought they'd have been a fine amen right there somewhere. They some, they, they some bloodsuckers attached to you that are leeching off of you your faith and, your, and every time you get around them, they're, they're negative and they never see what God can do. Never, they always tell you, well, now, uh, it's not God doesn't do it for everybody. And, 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 well, I saw it coming six months ago. I seen you failing. Has anybody got like anybody in your life? Sure we do. We ain't going to name them names, but we got them. And they're leeches who suck faith away from us. And you get around them, and you may be exuberant, and you may be praising, oh, God showed me this. God told me that. And, and, and Brother Ronnie, you're saying, oh, God God gave me a dream. And I said, oh, it was a pizza dream. And you, where you was exuberant, and where it just, just, kind of, just kind of takes the air out of the balloon. And you walk away and say, man, I, can't find, man, they just, they just suck me dry. And there's some folks in your life that you just, I'm not saying that you've got to be mean to them. I'm not saying that you've got to treat them bad, but you don't have to go out and have morning breakfast with them. You don't have to call them up and say, hey, I'm going on vacation. Would you like to tag along with me? Won't you come on over for dinner? I love you and I'm praying for you, but I ain't hanging with you. I'll pray with you, I'll I'll, I'll encourage you. I'll strengthen you. I'll give you my faith. But I'm not going to allow you to hang around me and just keep draining me and keep sucking the life out of me. And sometimes God allows a pause to happen in your life so that you can realize there's some negative people in your life that you you need to cut the cord. Come on. You need to cut the cord from them. Are you still with me? And finally, you need to connect with people (laughs) like Peter, James, and John that took Jesus and his his family into the room. And the Bible says he took Peter, James, and John in there with him. And in that room, Jesus just simply says, Talitha kuma, which is being daughter, I say unto you, arise. There was faith in that room. Jesus came in and commanded the room. He came in and brought where there was chaos. He brought peace. He brought word. He brought declaration. And he, and he, and he spoke life into that girl. Where there was death, he's beginning to declare and decree life. And those that were with him, who were in agreement with him, who said yes and amen to the promises of God, saw the miracle. So what you need to do is eliminate the negative. Remember the song, eliminate the negative, accentuate the positive. You need to get people of faith hooked up in your life. Hook up with people who will stand and believe and fight with you. Tell people about your dreams and your hopes and your visions, about people who are faith and people who pray and people who prophesy and people who will stand with you when nothing else is happening and the pauses come in your life. They'll, they'll still stand with you and say, I'll stand with you. We'll make it through this thing together. But I'm not going to let you hang out by yourself. I'm not going to let you. I'm, not gonna, I'm, I'm here with you. We're partners. We're connected. I'm not letting you alone. Amen? You need people of confidence. And then finally, what you need to do in, in the midst of your pause, you need to speak life to your problem. Look, you never say speak life to your problem. Uh, again, sometimes you, you just in the pause, we just kind of get busy in life, and we forget to just declare who we are into the situation. In the name of Jesus, I speak to the mountain. Mountain be thou removed. I'm not doubting in my heart, but everything that I say and declaring right now, it shall come to pass. Mountain be, re- you know what? It's going to happen. God's going to move. But you've got to speak to the problem. We all time go around, pray for me. And that's okay. Yes, oh, yes, we want to pray. We need to pray for one another. But there's sometimes at three or four o'clock in the morning, I ain't got nobody to call on to say, Will you pray with me? I've got to stand up in boldness and faith and declare, This is what thus saith the word of God concerning my situation. And I'm believing God. When I have nobody else, I am believing God and I'm declaring His promises. Speak to your problem, declare to be removed. But let me tell you something. Don't hurry through the pause. Let God open the door. I like that song they sung tonight. In his presence there are open doors. Open doors.